2: I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Something that makes me crazy is when people say, "Well, I had this career before, but it was a waste." And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste. That everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is Sheep the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: So it's not exactly clear how they figured it out. But on September 2nd, 2020, activists who identify as Colorado Springs Antifa accuse Mickey of being an informant. Mickey's exposed. In a Twitter thread, the account for Colorado Springs Antifa posts photos of Mickey and warns everyone that he's a suspected informant. It reads Be careful around this dude. Probably wise not to let him in your protest space. To be clear, this Twitter thread doesn't offer any specific evidence that Mickey is an informant. So I contact Colorado Springs Antifa, and after jumping through a series of hoops to confirm my identity, I end up on an encrypted phone call with one of their members. I don't record the conversation, he asked me not to, and he won't give me his name. Real cloak and dagger stuff. He tells me that while they don't have proof, they have a lot of suspicions. He says they believe Mickey played a part in the investigation of activists in Colorado Springs, the investigation you heard about in the last episode. By this time, Mickey is deeply embedded in the Denver racial justice movement. He's at the front of protests, he's going to meetings, he's making plans. And what people in Denver don't know is the FBI is paying him thousands of dollars, cash, every few weeks. So as you can imagine, like anyone whose livelihood is being threatened, Mickey's not going to take this kind of online rumor lying down. So just hours after the Twitter outing, Mickey records a video.
1: Good evening or good morning. It's September the 3rd, 2020, roughly about three o'clock in the morning.
6: In the video, Mickey is sitting at a table. There's the red flag of the Kurdistan Workers' Party behind him, and leaning against the wall is an AR-15 style assault rifle. Mickey's holding a cigar, and on the table in front of him is a ball-peen hammer and a full bottle of Jack Daniels. And Mickey doesn't mince words.
1: This propaganda shit you guys posted doesn't mean fuck all to me. But understand this, I will be polite and professional, but I have a plan to kill everybody in the fucking room if need to be.
6: Mickey posts the video to YouTube and it quickly circulates among Denver's racial justice protesters. Mickey insists he's not an informant.
1: If you're trying to implicate that I'm a fucking snitch, check this out. Three things I ain't a punk, I ain't a bitch and I ain't a fucking snitch. You should ask who the real fucking punker bitch is or who the real fucking snitch is.
6: I'm Trevor Aronson from Western Sound and iHeart Podcasts. This is Alphabet Boys. Episode 9, I ain't a snitch. We'll get to this bizarre video with Mickey in a bit. But for the moment, I want to take you back again to the last week of August 2020. A lot happens this week. This is the same week that Mickey's hyping up demonstrations that become full-scale attacks on police buildings. This is also the week Mickey takes Zeb Hall and Bryce Shelby to lunch at a famous Dave's barbecue restaurant. Zeb won't commit to any attack or plan, but Bryce suggests they should pursue a plot to assassinate Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser.
1: Attorney General's
6: your target. A few days later, Mickey introduces Bryce to Red, an undercover FBI agent. This is Bryce.
1: Juice, man, they call me Juice.
6: juice. And Red and Bryce drive to Weiser's house. Red suggests they could hire a hitman for five or six hundred dollars.
4: You know, it's gonna cost something to put it together, is all I'm saying.
3: What are we looking at figure-wise? Five, six hundred bucks?
6: Yeah. Bryce knows that's not enough money for a hit like that. And besides, he's all talk. He's not interested. Not really. So he ghosts Red and Mickey, doesn't return any of their calls or text messages. Okay, now the stuff I haven't told you about. A couple of days after Mickey puts Red onto Bryce, Mickey arranges to meet Zeb at a sporting goods store that sells firearms, a Bass Pro Shop in Denver. He's asked Zeb to buy him a gun. And Zeb, having seen Mickey with lots of guns, doesn't think what Mickey's asking him to do is a big deal. But yeah, it is a big
2: deal. Okay, the date today is Thursday, August 27th at approximately 2.47 p.m. uh, with Special Agent Scott Dahlstrom and Special Agent Byron Mitchell with CHS meeting with uh, Zebedias Hall.
6: Mickey meets with his FBI agent handler and gets a recording device. He then drives about 10 minutes to the Bass Pro Shop. Sitting in the parking lot and smoking a cigar, Mickey sees Zeb walking toward the store with a woman.
1: I think that's his girlfriend, or chickie chick he's seeing.
6: Mickey is communicating with the FBI agents, who are watching the live feed.
1: So just a heads up, is I think, homegirl's here with his girlfriend.
6: Mickey then puts on his face mask, the black one with the Punisher logo and the Kurdish flag. Peshmerga, it reads on one side of the mask. And he goes into the Bass Pro Shop. Mickey walks past a waterfall pouring into a giant fish tank. This Bass Pro Shop has a gigantic aquarium full of freshwater fish. Mickey is in the middle of the store, casting around for Zeb. Just then, a salesman comes up to him.
3: I like the tattoos you got. Franklin. Yeah, did they tell you about the huge sale? Check this out right here. How good, man,
6: Mickey just keeps walking. He's looking for Zeb. You might
2: like it. Really? You yeah.
4: never know. Yeah.
6: But after about five minutes of searching, Mickey can't find his target in the cavernous store. He tries to call him, but Zeb doesn't answer his phone. Mickey then talks to the FBI agents who are watching the live feed.
1: He's in the store somewhere, but I don't know where. It's like literally playing hide and go fuck myself.
6: Mickey gets a call. Mm -hmm. His ringtone is a motorcycle engine revving. It's Zeb. Hello? Hello? Hey, dude,
3: I not your call. Yeah, I'm coming upstairs right
6: now. I'm not even
1: upstairs, bro. I'm like literally walking around the store like hide and go fuck myself. I can't even find you.
3: Okay, I'm going. Uh, I'm actually by that fish tank. I'm going upstairs in the elevator right now. This is coming in the elevator because the, um, the firearms are upstairs.
1: Okay, I'll be up there in a second. Alright, okay. bye.
6: Mickey finally finds Zeb, and he's with a friend named Sarah. Mickey uses a low voice, so no one nearby can hear. So it's either like a 45 handgun, not chrome black,
1: okay. AK-47 or 9mm pistols, fine, that's all I need. But, I can, you know, clean, okay? Because okay. I don't want to be handing the fucking cash walking up there and shit like that, yeah. so.
6: Mickey tells Zeb the kind of gun he wants, and he makes clear that he can't be anywhere near Zeb when he's buying the firearm.
2: Cause that's gonna look weird as fuck if yeah. I'm sitting going like, oh
6: yeah, hey, here's here's the fucking cash, and they're gonna be like, what the fuck? You know.
1: Yeah. So, all right, so, cause you know they ask me, yeah. and then they're like, well, and then all of a sudden they know that I'm a felon. Yeah. It's, it's gonna fuck everything yeah. up.
6: What Mickey says right then likely isn't an accident. He reminds Zeb that he's a felon, and it's illegal for a felon to have a gun. It's illegal to buy a gun for a felon. Mm. What's happening here is Zeb is acting as what's called a straw buyer. What Mickey says is designed to help build a criminal case, to demonstrate intent, to show that Zeb knows Mickey's a felon. So, okay, so let me give you the cast. All right. Mickey hands Zeb $1,500. I'm going to go wander off so it doesn't look spacious. Everything seems to be going exactly to plan. More after the break.
0: Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: I used to have so many
3: men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications.
5: She had a Harvard plaque
2: a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: So Mickey's given $1500 in cash to Zeb to buy him a gun. And he's walked out of the Bass Pro Shop. About 15 minutes later, Zeb and his friend Sarah walk outside as well. They're standing by the front door. Zeb tells Mickey that he needs to grab his car registration for the background check. And he tells Mickey that he selected a gun.
4: Yeah, but it's a black uh, 45, uh pistol.
3: I think it was like and and it's like uh, Smith & Wesson. Smith & Wesson. It's
4: nice. Yeah. Okay. I like
1: Smith & Wesson. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you're cool with that. It's too small yeah. for my hand.
6: Zeb's friend Sarah makes a nervous joke and says, it's too small for my hand.
1: You mean your hands are too small for the weapon? Yeah. It, you're yeah, saying, yeah. 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 Uh, I was about to say, how small is this goddamn gun? <laughs> <laughs> no, my oh, hands are too small for you. OK, yeah, all
6: right. Just, After Zeb gets his car registration, and he not. and Sarah go back into the Bass Pro Shop, Mickey walks over to his hearse in the parking lot.
1: <laughs> the weapon's too small for her hands. Oh, my god. She got, like, fucking midget hands.
6: Mickey then calls Scott Dahlstrom, his FBI handler.
2: Hey.
4: What's up? Hey, so what's going on here? I'm
1: standing here, staring at the fucking trees. Okay, because our thing's going in and out, so we have we saw you walk out with them, but we couldn't hear very well. Uh-huh. Um, why, So you walked out of the store, why did he walk out and then go back in? He had to go get his registration to show that was a resident. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah,
1: okay. So, okay. uh, his girlfriend, uh, uh, was telling me that, uh, the gun was too small for her hands. I'm like, you mean your hands are too small for the gun? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I heard that, yeah.
6: Okay.
3: <laughs> so, yeah.
1: Am I sounding clear on it
4: now?
3: Um, we're, quick. it's uh, a lag, but yeah,
6: no, it's fine now. It's just the connection. Okay. it's, it's recording, the connection is just bad. Okay, got it, all okay. right. About 15 minutes pass, and Zeb finds Mickey in the parking lot, standing near his hearse. That's pretty
1: goddamn fast. Yeah. So what'd they say? The
3: background be done by morning. Does it look good? Yeah, I think so,
6: too heavy. Once Zeb's background check comes back tomorrow, the store will let him pick up the gun. And then Zeb's planning to give that gun to Mickey. He said that he was a felon, that he couldn't have
4: a gun. But if you have all these guns in your car and you're you're known to walk around with them, you know how could you have them? And then you know I'm like,
6: okay, you know I
4: didn't understand.
6: Zeb says he found the whole situation confusing, and was surprised to find himself buying a gun for Mickey.
4: And thing is, I before all that, I never would have bought a gun for anybody, and I just didn't understand. I uh, and I think uh, I lacked a lot of confidence
6: and I was scared of a lot of things that were going on. The next day, the background check comes back clean and Bass Pro Shop calls Zeb. He can pick up the gun. So Zeb arranges to meet Mickey, and Mickey, as usual, first meets with his FBI agent handler to obtain a recording device. Mickey's parked his hearse outside a barber shop in Denver. He's waiting for Zeb. The Fuji's cover of Killing Me Softly plays on the stereo. Stop. Mickey's plan is to have Zeb come up to the driver's side window and hand him the gun. So he calls Scott Dahlstrom, the FBI agent, to make sure the camera angle is clear.
1: Hey, real quick, can you see my window pretty clear?
6: Tell me when I'm, like,
1: on the money. Okay, cool. All right. Got it. Thank you. Bye.
6: A couple of minutes later, Mickey gets a text from Dahlstrom. The message can't be seen, but based on Mickey's response, I suspect the agent reminds him about the proper way to handle the gun as evidence. Mickey looks down at the camera, a little annoyed. Come on, bro. I'm not new to this. That was Mickey spitting out of the car.
1: I already know. I'm gonna play with it, look at it, lick it, touch it inappropriately, smell it. Violate it.
6: About five minutes later, Zeb pulls in, and he's trying to find a parking spot. Mickey hollers at him through the open passenger side window.
1: Yeah, yeah just fart, come over, shit. You make it look like we're trying to invade the Pentagon or something. Yeah, you good?
4: Don't dumbass.
6: Rod Stewart's Do You Think I'm Sexy? plays on the car stereo. Do, do, do,
4: do,
6: do. Zeb walks up to Mickey's passenger side window. That, of course, won't work for the FBI, since their camera is facing the driver's side window.
1: Come this side. Zeb, come the side on the other side, I got my guns and shit on Sorry, I got other shit sitting on the other side.
6: Okay. Now Zeb can be seen on the FBI camera. He's wearing a black t-shirt, and he's standing outside the driver's side door of Mickey's hearse. Zeb hands Mickey the gun, in its case, just like it came from the store.
1: Yeah, they put fancy little fucking stickers on this bitch, didn't they? Yeah. That's nice. Is it cool? Is it
4: a nice one, too? Yeah, it's pretty nice. I think so. I mean, shit, what I
6: know. After this transaction with the gun, Zeb tells Mickey that he's strapped for cash. Zeb says he needs money for first aid supplies to care for demonstrators who get wounded by Denver cops during the next protest. So Mickey gives Zeb 100 bucks, And in about a week, things will get wild. A group of Antifa activists in Colorado Springs will post a Twitter thread alleging that Mickey's an informant.
4: I used to have so many men.
3: How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications.
5: She had a Harvard plaque
3: employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us, they beat us, they burned us, and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire.
1: He was trying to brand us, so we were going to become the McDonald's and treatment
2: Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Colorado Springs Antifa posts its Twitter thread on September 2nd, 2020, accusing Mickey of being an informant. Mickey then sends the anti-fascist group a direct message offering a veiled threat. The anti-fascist group posts a screenshot of Mickey's message on Twitter as well. That's kind of fucked up that you assumed without hitting me up and asking what's up, Mickey writes. But I found out who Colorado Springs Antifa is, and I'm going to be dealing with them soon. They might make the news. As the Twitter thread makes the rounds, people immediately start talking. They're outraged. Here's Zeb Hall. And you know, you heard through different groups, you will know, kick his ass on site, fuck him, don't let him around the groups. This is in early September 2020, and by this point, so many people have been called informants. Trey, Mickey, some of the activists from the Young Democratic Socialists of America, even Zeb.
4: I think that's why I got the snitch jacket as well, you know, because um, people thought I was an informant, you know. And I think a lot of other black and brown and even gray white, you know, either, either leaders or allies, comrades, accomplices, whatever you want to call them, you know, they got caught up
6: as well. There's so much suspicion of everyone that it seems plausible that Mickey's being falsely accused. So Mickey gathers Zeb and his YDSA allies in the apartment in Denver, the one with the PKK flags.
4: Yeah, um, I was there. And it was just
6: one of the most fucked up situations I could ever imagine. Mickey has an idea. He'll record a video that responds to the allegations that he's an informant.
4: They put up a uh, military flag or whatever country he was at, you know, um, behind him. He had a cigar and he was like acting all tough and shit. He was throwing low-key threats like he regularly did.
1: Good evening or good morning. It's September the 3rd.
6: In the video, there's that assault rifle leaning up against the wall with a ball-peen hammer and a bottle of whiskey on the table. Mickey's wearing a black t-shirt that fits snugly around his shoulders and biceps. On the shirt is a square image that's half American flag, half Kurdish flag. And there's a Punisher logo. The full video runs about eight minutes. Mickey is angry.
1: So there's a group that, or a individual that's claiming that they are Antifa Colorado Springs. And in fact that I believe that they are actually not Antifa Colorado Springs because I believe they are actually a cop. I, for one, am not amused or pleased about the fuckery that's going on. I will clarify some things, and I'm going to address some some things real fucking quick. And this is not scripted.
6: Mickey goes on a tangent here about how he's a battle-hardened Peshmerga fighter before getting back on track. You can hide
1: behind an anonymous website and an anonymous profile talking all that shit about, I'll tell him to his face, no, you won't because at the end of the day,
6: you come to me, I got something for you. Mickey picks up the hammer.
1: I am the type of individual, I don't give a fuck about going to prison. I don't give a fuck about getting killed because believe me, I've fought ISIS or Daesh. I've fought Al-Qaeda, I've fought Shabi. I have fought in Iraq and I have fought in Syria. I've trained real Antifa freedom fighters in both those regions. And I am certainly not fucking scared of you. I don't give a fuck about the cops and I don't care about the police, but I will tell this to you right now. At the end of the day, I do not agree nor accept fascism. I do not accept and agree oppression. That's what I fought against, and that's what I'm still fighting against. But understand this, if you come to me fucked up, I'm gonna fuck you up. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. This propaganda shit you guys posted doesn't mean fuck all to me. If you're trying to implicate that I'm a fucking snitch, check this out. Three things, I ain't a punk, I ain't a bitch, and I ain't a fucking snitch. You should ask who the real fucking punker bitch is, or who the real fucking snitch is.
6: It's a carefully choreographed message, full of bravado. Mickey's a talented liar. It's hard to sense his desperation under all the chest thumping. But the video doesn't stop all the whispers about Mickey. The challenge Mickey faces in trying to preserve his cover is that anyone accused of being a snitch will say, I ain't a snitch. So how can you possibly know who's telling the truth? Two days later, Mickey tries to get ahead of the story. With the help of the YDSA activists who are still enamored with him, Mickey records a Q&A video on Twitter. More than 1,000 people view it live. It's posted to Mickey's Twitter account. His username is, and no, I'm not joking here. It's ISIS Killer Kitten. The video begins with Honor, one of the YDSA activists, asking Mickey a question.
5: And why are you doing this? Uh, To get the truth out there.
6: In the Twitter interview, Mickey answers questions from Honor about his long criminal record, which is feeding suspicions among activists that he could be working for the police.
5: Do you regret your criminal history?
6: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely do. You know, I mean, it it
1: made me who I am in some ways, but reality, yeah, I wish I could go back yeah.
6: In particular, activists have raised a lot of questions about Mickey's sex crime, which, as you might remember, Mickey pleaded down to misdemeanor third-degree sexual assault. When he was 20, he had sex with a 14-year-old, but claimed he didn't know the girl was underage. Mickey tries to address the concerns.
0: Can you describe your reaction to uh, the, the recent um, discussion of uh, your sexual assault charge?
1: It's like a regurgitated fucking turd. It's been talked about so many fucking times. And the thing is, it was a fucked up situation, which I personally say, you know, I did some stupid shit. First admit it, believe me.
5: So you wouldn't say that you have any sort of a pattern of uh, repeated sexual violence or abuse?
1: No, no. It's, if I did, I'm sure I would not be sitting here, you know, Drinking whiskey, smoking a cigar out in public if I was a sexual predator.
0: There are sexual predators that do walk pretty freely, though.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think personally they should get a bullet in their fucking head.
6: This goes on for a bit, with Mickey describing how he's misunderstood and how he's really an ally to the racial justice movement. Then Honor asks a question about his role in that movement.
5: Do you see
6: yourself as a, any sort of leader in the protest? No. I don't want to be. I want to be no fucking leader. At the end of the day,
1: look, let me tell you something. A lot of these people, and I'm not trying to sound mean, but a lot, nothing's been fucking done. Nothing's been fucking done. No cops have been fired. There's been no restitution, no apologies. There's been no court cases, there's been no punishment. There's been no changes of policy. We got people got more people living on the fucking streets. We got black people still being fucking killed in Kenosha, California. Fuck. I could go on for hours all the fucking places. That's just the shit that we've seen on camera. And at the end of the day, no, I I don't find myself as a leader because in reality, I'm I'm not the leader type like that. I can't sit there and say, "Oh yeah, I'm totally a leader because here's the thing." And this is what I am i look at is, I can't sit there and say that I'm a fucking leader because at the end of the day, I'm not a black man. I'm not a black woman. I'm not a transgender. I'm not gay. I'm not bi. I'm not pansexual. I have no room to fucking lead anything. But if somebody fucks with you, I'm there to defend you. I'm an ally. That's it, honestly. I don't think in reality, and I know it's gonna sound kind of fucked up and maybe racist, I don't think a white man or a white woman should be speaking on Black Matters. Show them support, but shut the fuck up and let them talk. Black lives do matter, it's their business.
6: At this point, Aiden, another YDSA activist, takes over for honor. So there have been a number of people Online recently,
4: who have been labeling you a snitch or informant or narc or otherwise? What do you have to say to them and about that? Hmm. Okay, yeah.
1: So, anybody I've been around pretty much. How many times has my name been on court paperwork and arrest affidavits? Zero. Uh, here's the thing for you: if you've ever been in the fucking legal system, just ask for a motion to discovery. It gives you all the information of the case. It'll say confidential informant. It'll say blah, 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 blah. It'll say this, that, and the other. You can actually read how they got the charge to be filed against you. And I'll bet you my name, I'll bet you my motherfucking balls, because since everybody wants to be on my dick. I'll bet you my car, whatever you want. My name is on it. none of that shit.
6: That's a bad bet for Mickey to make, because as he's saying this, Mickey's name is on dozens of reports. Inside the FBI's Denver office. But no one knows that yet. The two primary YDSA activists who unwittingly helped Mickey are Honor and Aiden. I call Honor first. Hello? Hi, may I speak to Honor, please? Yes. Hey, um, my name is Trevor Aronson. So the reason I'm calling is I'm doing a story about a guy named Mickey Windecker and his work with uh, the FBI. And, you know, I ended up getting uh, copies of recordings and reports, and you were named as one of the people that, you know, he was essentially spying on. Honor hangs up on me, so I call Aiden. Your name came up in some of the files as someone that Mickey was spying on, so I was wondering if you'd be uh, willing to talk to me a little bit about him.
4: No, I don't know anything about that.
6: you sure? I mean, you're not in trouble Mm -hmm. in any way. Where are those files? The FBI files? Mm-hmm. So they're not public. They, they, were, they were leaked to me. They're, they're FBI internal files.
4: I'm not interested in talking about any of this. I don't want my name involved with any of this. I don't have any knowledge of anything. I'm, I'm trying to stay as far away from this as possible, and I don't want anything to do with it. Don't want to talk about it at all.
6: Since Honor and Aiden didn't cooperate with me, and because they have not been charged with a crime as a result of Mickey's activity, I'm not using their last names here. At some point, and I don't know exactly why since they won't talk to me about it, Honor and Aiden wised up and abandoned Mickey. The YDSA activists believe, quote, the feds were watching, according to an FBI internal report. There's one activist who came around to this realization very slowly. Zeb Hall was there in the apartment as Mickey recorded the videos. And it was there that things stopped making sense. He didn't buy all of Mickey's explanations. Mickey made a bunch of threats, suggesting to Zeb that maybe Mickey has something to hide. Days earlier, Zeb had bought Mickey a gun. And now, for the first time, he has suspicions about Mickey.
4: It really was starting to become evident at that point for me when that came out. Uh, then, you know, finding out about his...
6: <sighs> like you thought at that point that it was, it was possible he was an informant?
4: I felt that he probably more than like it was.
6: And then what are you thinking about the fact that you bought him a gun at that point? I'm fucked. Yeah, Zeb's fucked. That's in the next episode. This is Trojan Hearse, season one of Alphabet Boys. Alphabet Boys is a production of Western Sound and iHeart Podcasts. The show is reported, written, and hosted by me, Trevor Aronson. For more information about the series, or to drop us a tip, head to our website, alphabetboys.xyz. You can contact me on Twitter and Instagram, at Trevor Aronson. We believe this story is important and could result in changes to FBI oversight and public policy. But to have impact, people need to hear this story. So we need your help. First. Tell your friends about the show. Personal recommendations are the best recommendations. Second, spread the word on social media. At alphabetboys.xyz, you'll find FBI undercover recordings and secret documents. You can share stuff the government never wanted public. Third, help us ride the algorithms by leaving a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. That helps other people find us. And finally, thanks so much for listening.
0: Hey, guys, this is Paris Hilton.
2: I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now.